So like um when it so after I spent that check and then like had to scrape to my next payday, mm. I was like, you know what? Never fucking again. Like I learned quick, right? And so I was like, where I need to hang out. I'm young, I need to hang out, but I need to hang out in a place that's gonna keep me focused on my goals. Otherwise, I'm gonna get lost in the sauce, right? right. are now listening to the Your First Steps Podcast. It's great to talk about million-dollar dreams, but where do we start? How do we get there? Listen up. As you hear directly from real estate industry leaders on how they reach success in their fields, and most importantly, what were their first steps? Let's get this party started. Here's your host, Eli the Real Estate Guy. Hey, how's it going, guys? This is Eli, the real estate guy, and thank you all so much for coming into another episode of the Your First Steps podcast. All right, now, when you're uh, talking about real estate and when you're looking to purchase a property, you're going to have to have some type of uh, capital or some type of financing whenever you're acquiring these properties. And today, we have the pleasure of speaking with a mortgage broker that's going to explain to us not only what is a mortgage broker, but uh, what they do and why is it so important to use one. So, uh everybody welcome chrissy sanders chrissy how you doing today hey Eli, what's up thanks for having me absolutely absolutely so for the uh few people that uh don't know who you are let everybody know who you are and uh what you do um so i'm a, I'm a mortgage broker so um basically uh we are a correspondent lender uh so a correspondent lender means that we actually have our own funds and so what most mortgage brokers are is essentially like uh, actual broker broker is when you actually, um, you know, have to go to the market and kind of ask, like, can I do this? Can I do that? Whatever. What we can actually do is we can negotiate the rates, terms, prices and, and stuff like that for you, close in our own funds and then sell to the aftermarket. So what that allows us to do is give you better programs and stuff because we're not beholden to one lender um as in like locked in like a broker would be or a bank um, with what whatever their own programs are so it's gotcha. a, it's a good time awesome yeah. awesome awesome thank you so much uh for for uh, letting us know that so just to let uh, everybody know how uh Chrissy and I met so uh, we actually met on uh, clubhouse uh, we are uh, part of an <laughs> accountability group uh called uh the first step uh, family or, or the name what was the name of it holy crap hold on the first, step first step first step first well the first step family all right and so uh Something. yeah exactly so uh so with this uh it started off uh as a uh every every morning thing monday through friday but then it went down to monday wednesday and friday and what we'll do is we'll talk about our personal professional fitness goals and um we uh, had the room for about two years now it's on a, a pause but we're going to be starting back up very soon and Something I always loved about Chrissy is that she uh, was uh, very, you know, much a, a straight shooter. Uh, let everybody know, uh, you know, what it is, how, how it is, what she, what she felt about a certain situation. Uh, and, and I really appreciated uh, you bringing that energy uh, to the group. Uh, so before we get into uh, you being a mortgage broker, um, let us know what it was like growing up in the Sanders household. Uh, and how uh, you were as a child and, and how it was growing up for you. 
Yeah, so my my childhood was it was pretty cool. Um, you know what I mean. At first, like it was it was pretty cool. Um, like I can't sit there and say like I don't have a, a story where you know <laughs> parents mistreated me or anything like that. Like it was it was definitely a good upbringing. Like I I felt like I was loved. Um, my my mom. Um, you know I, I was raised by a single mother. What the hell? Um, sorry. I don't know what that is, but I was raised by a single mother and, uh, and my parents were divorced, but my dad was somewhat in my life. Um, unfortunately, um, when things started to kind of like change in my life was probably in my teen years where, uh, my father was killed. Um, you know, like we lost our house. It was like all these different things. And so I guess that's what kind of like drove me. And that was kind of like my turning point. And so my turning point was when I saw like all these things kind of in our household, prob- not problems, households changing, things like that. I kind of had made to, to, I made like this thing to myself where I, I was like, you know, I'm going to make $167,000. Right. And like, for whatever reason, in my like 15, 16 year old brain, $167,000 was going to be the dollar amount that was going to to make all of the issues, make my mom stop crying, make everything like be a thing, right? So like, and I was like, and so I went on Google um, at the time, like, cause uh, I didn't even have a, a laptop or a computer. I had like this little small, like, I don't know if it was like a sprint phone or whatever, but you can kind of access the internet. It took like a really long time. Right, but, right. And I, and I Googled like all the jobs that made $167,000 a year. And so I, I came up with finance, you know what mm. I mean? And so, and, and so like, it was like Goldman Sachs started their associates at, at uh, 167 uh, or it might've been 178 or something like that. But either way, like, I was like, I don't know, I got this number in my brain of $167,000 and I was, and that this was going to be the thing. And I was going to buy my mom a house and I was going to buy my mom a car and I was going to get her all these things and it was going to be fine and everybody would be happy. And my mom used to say, like, literally go to college, you know, make sure that nobody dangles you you know what I mean you don't want to ever be um you know kind of beholden to anybody and like you know and somebody kind of in, in, in charge of your own life decisions um and so uh I went to school and so I, I played sports and stuff so at that point I um for whatever reason fell into communications journalism major um there which and I was trying to like be and I minored in finance so um then I got a job offer out of school and one was like 22,000 to go cover, I think like the Detroit lions or something like that. And then the other was like $55,000 to go work at, um, Bernie Marino companies and do marketing. And so I did that. And so I, I grew within the company was constantly promoted until um, at one point I was running marketing for a region. And then at that point I went over to BMW, ran marketing over there, um, comfortably uh, hit that six figure mark. Um, and then I ended up starting a sports agency, which like in my mind, like I was like, okay, I know it's like we started with finance and here we are with marketing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I was like, okay, like somewhere along the line, I started to uh, want to control my narrative a little bit more. And when I say control my narrative, I wanted to like 
write my own paycheck. So like, I was like, you know, I can go close this deal and I could go make this amount of money or I could literally go take the salary and I could work my ass off, be a top performer and literally make this amount of money no matter what. And so it could be, you know, snail, snail Bob next door to me who literally does, <laughs> does absolutely nothing. Right. And like, just, you know what I mean? And, and he'll make the same amount of money. And on top of that, by being in corporate America, I was not in the mood anymore to convince people of my worth. You know what I mean? So like, as, as a black person and as a black woman in corporate America, most people know, like, honestly, like it, it'll, sometimes you'll find yourselves in these situations where you have to constantly like remind people like, or fight for the very salary that, that the actual position calls for. It's, right. it's wild. So at that point I was like, I'm done having this conversation with people about how much my worth is. I'm going to set that price every day, like the, like the stock market. And so then um, that led me into entrepreneurship I did well um, at a country club uh, when that's I was twenty. Hold, hold on, before 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 we get in there, because you're, you're you're going right now, and there's a few oh. things I wanted to to touch on. So remember yeah. that that country club uh, spot, and I remind you of that. So uh, going back to the childhood, you said something that was interesting. Um, how uh, you came up with a number one hundred sixty-seven thousand. So yeah. um, I know the imagination of uh, a child. Uh, when when things happen, you'll have like certain things that just inspire you and you're like, boom, that's what I'm going to go with. Do you remember what triggered that 167 number? Um, no, I don't. Um, I know that I had a I had a cousin named Richie who I love to death and we're friends and um, we're like best friends. And he worked on Wall Street. And um, and I and I remember Richie when I was a kid had this shiny like BMW, like M6 or something. It was like some souped up BMW. And it was, and he worked on Wall Street. And so at that point, like as a, and, and I remember people used to talk about six figures and six figures and all that. And then I, I was like, you know what? And for whatever reason, as a 15 year old, I was like accountant for taxes or something like, so I was like, at this 167, I can get a hundred thousand dollars essentially, like you know what I mean, and this will make everything right. And um, and I think like at the time, my mom was probably making like twenty eight thousand or something like that. It wasn't like a lot, and um, she had to work various jobs and stuff like that before uh, she got back to stable because she's a teacher. And then they laid off a bunch of teachers, and mm. then she had to go work at Target and all this shit and all. You know what I mean? So. I was like, I'm going to like quadruple my mother's salary. Like, it's gonna be great. Is is like no more, no more tears. Like, you know what I mean? And um, and it's a lot when you like see your parent cry every day. Um, and so I was like, I'm gonna do this. And when I went to college, um, and I knew it would take me a while to do this. So when I went to college, um, I don't even know if I should be saying this because like, I don't know if it's whatever but at the end of the day like I got this book money right so I had a scholarship and um and I had leftover money for that was supposed to be for books and so instead of buying books that that semester I put it as a as a down payment for my mother uh, apartment mm. and and um and then I just kind of um and then I, I kind of just winged it <laughs> So, you know so, so let's talk about that for a second. So 
um, with this. Uh, so are you talk was it like a, a loan or was it a grant uh, or what? Or do you want to talk about what 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 the finance? Yeah, was? it was a scholarship. It was, it was a scholarship. Yeah, mm -hmm. like it was like a scholarship, and then like it paid the tuition, and then um and then after that I had you know no, I don't no, know what no. it was it might have been like fifteen hundred bucks left over, gotcha. and and I literally in which I could have used for books I could have used for Nikes or whatever right. I don't know but. I was like, you know, I gave it to my mother and I think the I think the only thing I got from that is probably like some Auntie Anne's or something like that. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so what I'll what I'll say about that though, and, and it's great that you uh had the the foresight of being able to use those funds for something else because I do feel like because uh, I've had you know situations where I fell out of FAFSA or I'd have uh, money left over after um, your tuition, everything is paid. You have some finances left over. And as uh, a young person, uh, you're usually the mindset goes to now I, now I got money. You know, now I could do my thing. I could do whatever. But to have that, uh, that, that frame of mind uh, or the presence of mind of being like, okay, wait, I have this money. There is a need here. Let me use the money for the need. And not just my desires, because what I, I think about a lot is, and I, I've seen this happen on, I've seen a couple of videos of this. So it'll be about a group of four or five friends. They'll have uh, some money that they have left over from a scholarship or a grant or whatever, or they'll use their student loans and they'll take those those funds and put it as a down payment into a project or a flip or something, and from there they would. Um, then use that to make more money, pay back their loans, and they use the student loans as a bank or these things as a bank instead of just using that money to just blow on Nikes, like you said. Right. Yeah, which I feel like it's, it's an amazing thing that, that you actually uh, did that. So when you did that for your mom, what was her reaction? Was like was it like a surprise or what was that reaction? She she started crying and she was so shocked. She was like, "No." She's like, "You need to get your books, blah blah blah." And I was like, "No, I don't. I don't want you, you know, in somebody's house. All this shit." Like I said, so at that I didn't say all this shit because yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like you know, at, at that um, and I was like, "No." And so she she went and she's like, "I cannot believe you you did this." And you know, and she she put it there and. Um, she had, I think that the down payment came to like nine twenty nine, And I think, like I said, I think it was like 1500 bucks. And so then after that, like she kind of, it was like a one bedroom situation, got herself a couch and, you know, a bed and stuff like that. And, you know, the rest is history. I love it. I love it. So, uh, going into, uh, marketing. So, um, the, for me, the root of, uh, any business really, uh, flourishing, and at least getting noticed, because in order to get customers, people need to know about you. Um, what drove you to do the marketing job and what do you feel uh, allowed you to be successful in that? So, um, like, uh, first, money, number one, like I said, the two job offers. And then number two is like storytelling, right? So one thing as a writer, um, you know, because I guess 
that's kind of like my calling right in life right so that is what my talent is and superpower is writing and so it's like i always knew how to tell a story right so at that point like marketing is storytelling right um it's setting the scene it's getting people engaged in it getting people to follow along and to buy into a why and um to make them feel a certain way and so at that point um you know with journalism i felt like the root was i i don't mind telling people stories but i also have a real problem with martyr type of things where you work, 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 and then you may never get it, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's like, imagine like you're out here going out with somebody, you're like, yeah, here's this, you know, here, let me take you to the finest restaurant, here's a Gucci purse, this, this, and this, and then she's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm still not sure about how I feel. Like, that's how journalism is, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, it's like, well. <laughs> it really is, and, um, and, and it's like, um, and I was like, with marketing, I saw a more, not that it was linear, but I saw a way to the top, right? So I saw a way to progress from coordinator to manager to director to VP to eventually maybe CMO or COO. I just saw a path mm -hmm. and, and I started following that path. Um, and that's what kind of got me into that. Um, and on top of that, I like to solve problems um, and I don't like I'm not a snitch, <laughs> you know, so that was the thing about journalism. I, I didn't oh, like that. I like to tell on people. I like to solve problems. Even if you're like, I'm that friend. Like if you are doing like the most messed up thing in the world, I'm like, hey, look, let's work through it. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. like I'm not like, hey, like let's bust on you here. Exactly. So I, I didn't like that. Like I didn't like that. So that's what kind of got me into marketing. And, um, and I learned a lot, like problem solving, budgeting, how to run a global brand project management. Um, how to manage teams, um, event planning, even though I didn't want to, um, uh, event planning, um, just uh, how to uh, manage the different channels from um, exactly like TV budgets to, uh, to, to radio ad budgets, uh, online marketing budgets, how to SEO, all that kind of stuff. So basically running global marketing, um, Right, you know, I kind of learned how to do that, negotiate contracts. That's even how I even got into the sports agency thing because I knew how to build quantitative cases. So, um, quantitative cases are basically like money cases, right? So, what is the money case behind why we should work together as a brand? So, a lot of times, um, influencers, people like that, they 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 are like, look at my followers, and that's really not a quantitative case. It's literally like, okay, like how can like segmenting this, this, and this, how we're actually like, what's your to market strategy how are they converting things like that so i knew how to have those intelligent conversations with other brand directors so that's right. what kind of led me into that so when you're talking about a, a money case so that's basically uh like you're saying why should we work with them and by spending this money with you what will that mean on the back end basically yeah, well, how does that create dollars and cents, right? So perfect example is when we um, will sign athletes to uh, car deals. Like um, if we sign an athlete to a car deals, it's like, okay, how do we uh, me measure how how their presence is monetizing the brand essentially so how like how getting them involved with us is going to add to our bottom line and and the other question is is it will it add to the bottom line will it just be a pr thing and then what does that look like in pr dollars for us that we don't have to spend that we could very well spend a fraction with them versus hiring a company to go do this like like basically what what will this interaction mean to the to the uh to the brand right gotcha, um, financially. Gotcha. 
there. Okay. And when you started the agency, because you went from marketing to, to the agency, and I can see where the correlation uh, would be as far as, to me, it would be marketing your, um, your clients to companies and showing them how they can actually improve their bottom line by utilizing your, 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 uh, your customers. So kind of explain how that transition happened and how does the background in marketing uh, help you as an, uh, an agent? Yeah. So, uh, basically, um, so I was at, I think I was at something for the Browns or something like that. Like it was at a gala. So when you're a marketing director, you kind of like everybody, you're at every event, you're at the PGA tour, blah, blah, blah. So it's like running into players is not a, uh, an anomaly. Right. And on top of that, players purposely want to run into you. So like, because you got a bag, right. So, <laughs> so like you sell money. So at that point, um, a player walked up to me. I didn't even know he was a player. Um, I, I don't watch football. Um, um, I'll be honest and say that. And uh, he walked up to me. He's like, hey, um, you know, I I know who you are. This is and this. And I'm like, okay. Um, like, I'm like, <laughs> That's <laughs> like, a weird like, pickup line. <laughs> right. I was like, right. All right. and I just, I just looked at his drink. And then I saw he was drinking water. So I'm like, I don't know where this dude is. But I'm like, hi, you know, I'm Chrissy. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm so-and-so. And he's like, yeah, you know, I got this, this, and this. I want to talk about you representing me. Um, so basically, um, you know, he was asking me to like represent him and, st and stuff like that. And then, um, also like a few days later, um, one of my friends who, who I uh, went to college with and played ball, she, uh, played uh, ball professionally and she asked me to represent her too. And then I was like, well, maybe I could do a little business with this, but I don't really know shit about it. Um, so I was a member of the the union club which is a country club in cleveland and so it was the um uh it it was the same country club that uh arthur lafave who started img endeavor with mark mccormick and so at that point um img the I, school img the the yeah the agency the school and okay. so but in florida no it yeah it's in florida now but it started in cleveland ah okay and so, okay and so at that point, um, I reached out to Arthur Lefebvre, uh, who started IMG with Mark McCormick and um, on a cold email, like on some like like on a straight up cold email. And so I was like, hey, we're members of the same country club like that really meant, a shit. I, uh, meant anything. I was young uh, enough to. I was young enough to take chances <laughs> that like I didn't know what I was doing. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I just had like some young confidence there. And I was like, hey, I need you to teach me how to run a sports agency. I got potential clients. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, I was like, you know, I'm like, I got I got potential clients. You know, I know you probably get kids asking you, you know, how to get in the business all the time. But I actually have deals, this, this and this. And, you know, he reluctantly talked to me. And so um, he said, hey, I'll give you 30 minutes. But I turned I stayed four hours. He taught me how to run a sports agency. Wow. And then, yeah, like, you know, how he got started with Arnold Palmer, all this other stuff. Um, and, you know, basically how, how to get the money, how to network, how to structure the deals, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I was writing uh, furiously with my uh, yellow legal pad at the time. And then um, and 
it was ridiculous. When I showed up to this thing, I, I'll never forget it. I showed up to the IMG offices on 9th Street in Cleveland with, uh, and I think he was, I think he still was retaining his chairman seat at the time, even though he was no longer practicing. And my silly ass literally has on a, on, on a yellow dress, like a yellow dress. Like it was wow. like, I, yeah, like I'm like I am ready. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I and, and I was like, yeah, like I like show up and I'm like, you know, and um, yeah. So the rest is history. Started doing that, and um, so then I got into to mortgages because I had known Rick for like mm-hmm. me and Rick. I had known Rick for like ten years, I think, mm-hmm. and we were really good friends. And you know, um. He's like, hey, you need to get a mortgage license. You need to like start because I refer him business, all this. He's like, you know, you you do a lot better uh, networking than my my own uh, LOs. He's like, you need to get a license and just like have a second source of income. And so then once mortgage income replaced my sports income, I just left the business entirely because gotcha. I just saw, <laughs> I just saw um, that. I could do some more. So everything to me is always about doing something more. How can I get to the next level gotcha. on things? Yeah, I love it. I love it. And you touched on a lot of uh, great things in there, and I wanted to uh, to make sure that we, we touched on those. So uh, going to the country club. So this is something that you brought up a few times in the uh, the, the accountability group. Uh, so it was called Treadmill Talk, the accountability group. That's yeah. the name of it. My goodness. Yes. For whatever what reason, called. I couldn't like it. it wasn't coming to me. Tread, whatever. So, uh, so <laughs> it's been that long. So uh, the country club um, kind of explain to the people why uh, you feel that whether it's joining a country club or some of these types of clubs, why do you feel like it's important for people that uh, is looking to. Uh, people that are looking to network, why is it important to join these types of clubs? Number one is because of just like grounding in your purpose first. Like, you know, because one thing we don't realize is that we literally live our lives on autopilot. And especially when you're young, I don't know how old you are, Eli, but I'm 30. And like, bottom line, when you're young, so I started doing private club life when I was 22 years old. And the reason was because I was, like I said, I was making $55,000 a year, which ain't shit. But at the end of the day, like, I felt like I was rich at the time. (laughs) And I knew, and like, in the first check that I actually had, I had this, like, little beat up uh, Mercury Milan or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then um, I took me and my homegirls, we all went down to the club, and I spent, like, I think, like a thousand dollars. Oh, jeez! Like, <laughs> so the whole like, check. <laughs> it was it was like the most hood rich thing I had ever been a part of. Right. That I <laughs> wow! In my life, so yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I don't even think it was alcohol. I think it was like we was doing the most. We was like yeah, we made it. And then we drive off in this broke down Milan, right? So anyway, <laughs> so. <laughs> so so like um, when it so after I spent that check and then like had to scrape to my next payday, mm. I was like, you know what? Never fucking again. Like I learned quick, right? And so 
I was like, where I need to hang out. I'm young. I need to hang out, but I need to hang out in a place that's going to keep me focused on my goals. Otherwise, I'm going to get lost in the sauce. Right. Right. And so and on top of that, I got a big job. Right. So it's like I'm getting rapidly promoted and I have. Uh, like at the time when I was at Bernie Marino companies, I had Aston Martin, um, Infinity, Mercedes Benz. And I'm like, okay, people my age aren't driving these cars. Where do I go? So at that point, um, I went to the union club. Um, I joined a, a program. I think it was called like something about civic leaders in Cleveland or whatever. Hmm. Ended up at the, at the union club joined um you know my initiation fee was i was 22 years old i was under the age that they i think allowed in. i think the minimum was like 25 or 26 mm-hmm. but they let me in because of who my boss was mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yes. and and then they kind of made up they, they made up dues for me and like and and um and and an initiation fee i paid it and um, at that point, it just kind of changed my mind because it put me in the room with CEOs, senators. Like, I mean, I met Jeb Bush there. Mm. Um, like, uh, like when the RNC and stuff like that came through Cleveland, all those people come, they stay there. And then instead of me like staying at hotels, I would stay at reciprocal clubs across the country. Oh, wow. um, yeah, nice. like, you know, just to meet people. So it really kind of grounded me in my focus because every time I walked into that club, number one, I had to have I had to be dressed appropriately. So that also changes your mindset. Um, you're not like if you're at a club like that, you, you're not going to have the inclination to get off of your purpose because you don't want to be seen as that type of a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave me a place to bring people because, you know, when you're 22, 23 years old, like you don't have like tons of money to go take somebody out to you know the golf or whatever the case may be it gave me an elegant place to bring people i was meeting people and i even met the person that um even offered me the job at bmw um there so it was like constantly being promoted and so what i do is um every time i'm about to go to another city or i move to another city i always like look up what clubs are there and then um kind of like springboard from there like perfect example is like i was telling you about um earlier with with the with the georgia situation like i mean i immediately like looked into the buckhead club you know what i'm saying and signed up and and joined the buckhead club so when i'm there i'm not just sitting around looking at myself you know you can get lost in the sauce i mean in in atlanta you know what i mean you can get lost in the sauce in new york city so you have to um you have to just kind of be grounded you know what i'm saying and and on top of that you also have to recognize the um the opportunities that you can create from from being being with people that are like-minded um you know that are actually going somewhere in life you know not just living for their next weekend drink exactly you know? exactly I like, seriously. so that's why i say join join a country club every you know use the reciprocity or join you know whenever you move somewhere gotcha yeah you said yeah. something else that was uh, very interesting sir it reminded me of uh when i was younger uh which was you're young enough to not have the fear to do certain things and yeah. i feel like that's such a powerful statement that you said because there are certain things that I did that uh, when I was younger, say when I was you know, 17, 18, 20, 21, uh, that I would, I would hesitate to do now because it's kind of like, like the world uh, and society just kind of um, molds you into 
not doing certain things because of your perception and you're a lot more worried about how you'll be perceived as being weird or too whatever but whenever you're 19 and you just do whatever you want and it's like oh well that's the ceo of so-and-so everybody else will be like oh no no don't don't speak to him as a 20 year old you're like i'll go talk to him like what's the problem you know and it's like and i, I think it's, it's great that you did that so that that to me shows the power of starting young so i guess speak to uh the people that uh you know maybe younger and they're like oh well i'm not uh you know i'm too young to start in the the finance business i'm too young to do whatever like speak to the importance of starting young uh to be successful you know honestly you have to kind of come out the gate swinging or life will get away from you and you will get lost like i think that's probably one of my like superpowers with where i didn't i didn't care about trying to be in the in crowd right even though i played sports and all that kind of stuff i knew at the end of the day that my situation at home was was not what I wanted my situation to be forever. And I and so at that point, I knew that I didn't I didn't have time to play. Right. And you got to understand as a kid, you don't have time. You don't have the time that you think you have. And then that's how you look at people that are will will be 40 years old. And then they start like, I don't do like well you know it's like because you haven't taken your life seriously like you need to not always know what you want to do because i have changed careers which i think is fine but but know the direction that you want to go know where you want your end point to be like what do you want your life to look like i always knew what i wanted my life to look like even though i didn't always know the path i was getting there so that always made me make the right choices where it's like okay like like perfect example is i don't i don't smoke or do any type of drug right you know what i mean like i'll drink but i will not do any type of drugs um because like i have i know where i want to go okay and so like and that's the whole thing like you like when you don't know where you want to go you're being dragged around um like this earth and like and you don't even realize it like and that's what a lot of young kids do now. They scroll on their phone. They go to every party. They want to just be a part of something. No, like you have to know. You need to have like some type of compass guide post on where do you want your life to look like at forty, and then what does that and then work backwards on what actions you need to take. Who do you need to be around in order to make that happen? And then even now, even as a thirty year old. One thing that I do is um, when I'm stressed out about things, if I'm emotional about things, I'm hurting about things, I think to myself, does this fit into my ultimate goal? And then what it does is it helps me release that resistance because I'm like, okay, at the end of the day, this doesn't fit into the plan. So even though I'm stressed about it, I shouldn't even be stressed about it because it's like it needs to fall off. Gotcha. And that's and that's and that's what kids need to do. Just figure out what you want your life to look like and then make the decisions from there. And I think even when people look at weight loss and even when we had the call, I would always say I don't do keto diets. I don't do that kind of stuff. And the reason I don't do that kind of stuff is because I am a very intentional, purpose driven person. So, like, I don't like need to do a fad diet because a fad diet implies that I'm just gonna fucking go, go like not eat carbs for three weeks mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna go eat all the potato cakes I can. And, and, <laughs> like, potato like, you know cakes. what I mean? It's, it's, nice. <laughs> 
it's it's inconsistent. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's inconsistent to the purpose. And I'm like, okay, how do I see myself? Right. So what you want to do too as a young person is create the future identity that you want. So my identity is what drives my decision. So if I see myself, even though I'm not, if I see myself as a future fund manager, this, this, and this, like I'm going to make decisions as a future fund manager. I'm not going to make, like if I see myself as a healthy person, then, and that's another thing, like I had, I, I basically have almost stopped drinking. So like, I'm very close to like being totally not with it. Like I'm like at down, I think to like one uh, a, a week. But at the end of the day, like, I didn't try to do something like all cut out, but like, you know, because I see myself as a healthy person. So whenever I make decisions on where I want to go, I look at like what identity do I want to build? And then I work backwards. Gotcha. And you said something else that was uh, very interesting. And I'm glad you broke that down for, uh, for the youth that's listening. So you were saying when you spoke to that individual about starting a, um, agency a a sports agency you're saying how other people may come in and they'll say okay well teach me the game teach me how to do this how to start how to get anything going but you knew what you wanted to do so you started the process first and then from there it's like all right now let me just get some assistance but now when you're going to them it's not a matter of you're starting fresh and they need to teach you everything it's a you have pieces now. Now I can show you what to do with the pieces. And it reminds me of this. Um, so the conference I went to this uh, last weekend, uh, Bridger uh, Pennington, uh, his dad. Is, so Bridger is a person that made uh, this uh, investment fund uh, live, like the launch uh, of funds. But his dad is a fund manager. His dad does like uh, he has a fund that's like uh, 34 billion under management. Like he, he does it on, on a big scale. And he taught Bridger how to do things. Uh, moving forward, but uh, John, uh, which is the dad's name, John was telling Bridger how when he was first starting off in the fund world, uh, he would have to compete against these folks that are coming from Harvard and these Ivy League schools whenever uh, they're speaking to um, family offices and some of these larger investors. So these Yale folks would come in and say, oh, well, we theorize that uh, in this particular area, the projected uh, income is going to be here, the projected rent, so that we're based on, on the formula, this is what your return would be. And then he would come in afterwards and say, okay, well, here's a deal that I actually have. And this is what is based on being that we already did the underwriting. So with this information, is this something that you actually want to be a part of? And that's how he got to start. Uh, instead of just being like, oh, let me just sweet talk somebody into just giving me a bunch of game and money. It's a, let me hustle first. And now when I come to you, it's like, a, oh, well, I'm going to go with you every time because you actually got something. So did, do you, did you always realize that that was something that was beneficial or was it just like a part of what you did? And it's like, well, let me hustle first. And if I get stuck, then somebody, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of reach out for somebody to kind of help you out. Yeah, like I've always felt like who you know will get you in the door, but what you know will keep you there. And so one thing I've always like been cognizant of is to not uh, basically fumble opportunities. Right. And so essentially um, what I try to do is to come at things totally prepared so that people take me seriously so that we can actually advance. Um, You know what I mean? And 
in um the process. So like um I feel like if I, I if I reach out to somebody and I take their time or whatever case may be, I need to have something of tangible value in order to even make it make it worth their time. So I guess maybe that's why I mean, you know, you, you know, I guess maybe that's the marketing sales in me, but I I just know for a fact that you got to have an offer. You got to have an offer. You can't like just you can't show up and I think that that's where um a lot of people don't um you know uh as far as like the sports industry is notorious for it like you have all these kids and they're like you know can i pick your brain and you know let me know you know whatever you know it's like can i pick your brain this this and this i i used to have a thousand linkedin but there's no intention no purpose no direction they don't know where they want to go if you offer them a job literally cleaning the stadium they would take it which makes no sense because they would be just say a law student like so it's like know where you're going know what you're trying to do here and so at that point and i feel like it shows the capability right so if everybody wants a job but like if you bring somebody an opportunity you're showing in real time that you know how to do this job like you may not be perfect at the job but you know at least how to be a self-starter so you need to like you know if you want a marketing job go up to the company so like even when i first um like when i had my marketing interview and i was like okay I'm great at storytelling. I noticed that your social media sucks. Um, so this is what I think that I can add value to your company doing that. And that's how I got the marketing job. Like I was a journalism major. So at that point, like who's considering me? I literally showed up with, okay, this is how I can make you better. I mean, and that's what people need to understand. Like whatever you want, you need to figure out how you can add value to that person and then and then approach them. Don't come asking for something. You know, gotcha. I love it. I love it. And so uh, from there, I know uh, you uh, touched on some of the uh, the things that you did as far as your career. But uh, were there any other jobs that you had uh, as well? Like, say, when you're in, uh, in high school uh, or some of those first jobs, like, did you work at like a footlocker or bag and groceries? Like, what are some of those other jobs that, that you might have had when you're younger? Yeah, I worked at um, I worked at Saks Fifth Avenue, um, and uh, I was the top salesperson there, uh, which was pretty interesting. Um, so, <laughs> like, uh, and I worked at Baskin Robbins, which is an ice cream store, and I worked at KFC. Um, and you know, eat chicken, you buy at the grocery store. That's all I can say. <laughs> okay, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so so. <laughs> So when it comes to, uh, I want to talk about sex, uh, sex fifth. Do you feel like, uh, uh, I kind of take it back and I, I talk about this uh, a lot on like, all my other episodes. I used to sell makeup uh, with the company, right? And so I remember when I first got the sales job, they were like, oh, it's either you're going to go into the branch of selling Dallas Mavericks tickets or you're going to sell makeup. I'm like, Obviously, I want to sell Mavericks tickets, so let's go that route. And so day one, they had a bunch of boxes of makeup on the floor, uh, and they were talking about, okay, Mavericks, you know, that you're going to go to this place and you're going to start selling. I'm okay, cool. And then it was like, all right, so Eli, here's your box of, you know, makeup. I'm like, whoa, like, I'm not doing makeup. I'm doing, you know, this. It's like, listen, and, and they kind of broke it down to me to where it's like, the things that you're going to learn from selling this makeup, you'll be able to utilize uh, and anything in life. And you're going to have to learn how to sell. So we're going to teach you 
how to sell and forget what you're selling. Forget whether it's makeup, forget whether it's, um, you know, Maverick tickets. Think about the concept of sales and it'll help you out from there. So, um, and I'm super glad that I went through that process because it's, it's definitely helped me out. Uh, whether it comes to, you know, speaking to motivated sellers to get properties under contract or whatever, I always refer back to those makeup days on learning how to connect with people on different levels. So right. when you were in sales at, at Saks Fifth, what are some of the things that you learned from there that you were able to carry on into other uh, careers? Um, first luxury sale. So first you got to understand that like luxury sale is a different type of sale because it's like they, they need it, but don't, I mean, they want it, but don't need it. Right. So at that point, it's like, you have to treat people with intelligence and care. And so you need to learn how to have kind of like business conversations with people to make them to, even though they're in the store, it has to make sense to them. Like specifically I was selling credit cards, right? You know what I mean? So, and the reason like, yes, I did sell apparel and things like that, but I knew that selling credit cards was going to make me more money. So, um, because I got paid in cash every time I sold a, a credit card. Right. Mm. So <laughs> I would sell like 20 credit cards a day. Which oh, ridiculous. nice. That is crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was nice. pretty insane. Um, and so, and I like honed in on that. And so like, basically I would like talk about like shit, like leverage, leveraging your cash flow. You know what I mean? Um, making sure that you're like building, you know, something, you know, it's like a small, it'll be like a small little charge on there. And then at that point you can build your credit, this, this, and this, like, I would just like, figure out what people's drivers were like and and i would figure out like how much money people basically had in their pocket like i could tell how much people had in their pocket by how many times they walked past something so at that point i knew that they were a perfect credit card candidate because at that point like you're like you want it but you're you're negotiating with yourself right now you're like i got rent i got this whatever the case may be so at that point i'm like hey you know i have an option here for you you know i'm not gonna walk up like hey you know you want this like, <laughs> like you know but like yeah. i'm like hey you know i see you like this thing um you know i have like this option for you you know i can take a little bit off this back it'll save you some money and on top of that you can leverage the current cash flow in your pocket for other things while still getting what you want you did you want to take a swing at it and then they'll be like yeah, like, like you know, and then I'll always have my iPad, and that's how that happens. Gotcha. So I would just kind of like learn human behavior and all kinds of stuff, like because it just made me a really observant person too. <laughs> gotcha, got so all right. So so it's great that you're you're talking about that. So did you have prior uh, sales experience, or whether it was like selling candy or whatever it was in school, or was that like your first time actually selling stuff? That was my first time selling anything. Gotcha. Okay. And yep. did you suck when you first got there and you just improved mm -hmm. or just from, from nope. the beginning, you're ready to roll? Nope. I, I was because the first thing I did was I was like, I noticed everybody was low energy and I was like, I'm going to raise the freaking intensity. And so that was like the first thing. So I became basically greeter of the year. Um, Not literally. Yeah. Like when they were walking, I'm like, Welcome to Saks. What are you celebrating today? Like, you know, blah, blah. I would just like be over the top. Right. And the reason is because number one, like black people always get a bad rap anyway of like having a bad attitude. But everybody else was like, had their head up their asses trying to act like they were the brand, if that makes sense. So right, like a lot right. of times luxury, you'll walk in and they're like, 
you know, welcome mm. to Louis Vuitton, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, welcome to Saks Fifth Avenue. Like, you know, I'm Chrissy. Like, you go ahead and look around. Like, I'm here to, I'm here to serve you. Just let me know. Like, blah blah blah. And like, I'm just like over the top. And even like, if they get something, I would like wrap it up into like this whole thing. Like, you know, I just was like over the top. And and when you also look at it too. Mm-hmm not to get esoteric but that is like that is the vibration of money that is the vibration of of um like performance is literally adding value so i was so focused on standing out as somebody that was adding value to people's lives versus somebody that was just trying to get a check so it just made me like and then once i i figured out the credit card game i realized okay how can i add value to the credit cards and then the rest is history. I was, I felt like, uh, I think probably like off of credit cards alone, I was making like, like again, this wasn't a, a high paying job, of course, yeah. but like I think making at least like two, three hundred bucks a, a, a week extra on mm. credit cards. <laughs> like, like, I, I didn't even know. I had no idea that they. I I assumed that that was part of their their incentives of like, oh, make sure you also incorporate credit cards. But I didn't know it was like, a, oh, just to let you know, if you do. You get bread off of this too. I, I had no mm-hmm. idea. Um, Cash money. That. So sometimes it would be, you know, and it depends. Like sometimes it'd be five bucks you get out for every credit card cash, and then sometimes it'd be ten, sometimes twenty. Depends on the on the um. Maybe it depends on the uh, promotion, mm-hmm. but yeah, I came ready. Gotcha, gotcha. And like to the point that they were like, oh, you know, let's just make you greeter because they wanted to, you know, get credit card money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and so at that point, I would carry a, a iPad on me and they didn't realize that. Nice. And I would, before they even got to the register, I'm like, all right. <laughs> He's like, oh, would you like to uh, register? He said, oh, the lady at the, the front door already got me as soon as I walked in. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I love it. So, all right. So going back to uh, you being... Um, a mortgage broker. So uh, you you got into the game uh, of that. Uh, so what was the? I, I know you went from being the the sports agent to being um, getting into the field of mortgage broker. And you said that you uh, someone kind of uh, hinted that hey you should probably consider doing this because there's some additional funds that you can get. So what what made you uh, accept that that challenge? And uh, what um, caused you to really want to go all in on this mortgage business? Yeah, so like um, I started looking at things in the sports industry and I was like, okay, this is cool. But like this ain't going to last, like period. Like um, even though I know the sports industry is still around, but it's, it's rapidly changing. And I believe that athletes need to be more educated and empowered to represent themselves more than um, having somebody uh, represent them. And I noticed that it was going in that direction. So at that point I was like, well, let me do something different. And on top of that, I was like, let me do something that I can do for 20, 30 years. And then like possibly, you know, like I have huge goals. Like I want to put my name on the side of um, the New York library and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it's like, what is going to get me there? And it was like, you look at the top wealth creators in the United States and it's like um, real estate, finance, retail, stuff like that. And it wasn't sports. So, um, and I noticed that the owners of sports people were in real estate and finance. So at that point, 
Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, l- let's go where the true power is and start building that. And, um, and you know, it was my best friend and he had a dream of wanting to, to build a mortgage company. And everybody kept on, everybody that he brought in um, essentially before the team we have now, it just kept flaking on him, flaking on him, flaking on him. You know what I mean? Like, and his business was like about to close all this shit and all this stuff. You know what I mean? And so at that point, like, I was like, well, this is a wonderful opportunity where I can help somebody that I love mm. and we can both benefit off of it. And so at that point, you know, we went to work building this company and, and, you know, it's kind of been the rest history from there. So the first year of mortgages, I didn't, I don't think I made over what I made in sports, but it was significant. And then at that point it overtook it. Um, and you know, it's been fine. And I, I know that I have some goals this year and it should be getting there. So awesome. Awesome. Cool. So so as uh, so for the people that want to uh, really understand, what is uh, the difference between working with a mortgage broker and just kind of going to the bank and just being pre-qualified for something? So what, what's the what's the benefits of using a broker? Yeah, turn times, transparency. So when you work with a uh, broker um, like myself, like like I said, like we're a correspondent broker. So a correspondent broker, which I would advocate you work for, with a correspondent broker. I would not work with a mortgage broker. And the reason I wouldn't is because of the fact that they don't have control over the process. So at that point, your conditions could change, all this stuff. That's how deals fall through. So we have in-house underwriting, funding, all of that stuff. So but we also have a relationship with over 80 different banks and lenders so that we can get you the best program. But since we control it, they are going to give you an even better rate because they want that loan at the end. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like at that point, they're, the banks are more likely to work for you when you're with a correspondent lender than they are. And with a broker, unfortunately, they call the shots with the broker because they're like, hey, well, I won't do this, this and this because as a broker, you constantly have to go back and forth to the bank throughout the loan. You get what I'm saying? And then with a bank, you, um, and then with a bank, um, they have their own programs. They can do whatever they want to, but it's a lot of bureaucracy. You know, you're going to be looking at 30, 45 day close times. Um, we're, our, we're closing loans anywhere from 10 to 21 days. Um, you know, a broker, I don't know what they're doing. Um, you know what I mean? that model isn't really the best. So it's like most of the time when you see like a true mortgage broker is usually like an independent one person type of thing because people are kind of wising up and getting away from that model, um, which I think is best for the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of the stuff. And uh, we're we're meet to sheet. So like meet to sheet means that like straight up Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac guidelines is what we go off of. There aren't any like additional like mm. uh overlays you know so if the minimum is a 580 credit score the minimum is a 580 credit score i'm not going to say it's 620 so that's like a major so why, know, why do other uh brokers or other uh companies add additional requirements on top of what the i guess the, the government um entities uh, are so, so like the yeah to mitigate risk so like essentially like um 
you know, the FHA rates um, of, of uh, default are like three times what a conventional is. Um, so at that point, you know, banks and stuff have to protect themselves yeah. by, you know, up in the standards. So gotcha. um, that's really kind of what that is about. Gotcha. So yeah. um, for the people that um, want to uh, reach out to you and if they want to get uh, a mortgage, uh, for a property, uh, do you work with just people that want to move into a property or do you work with investors as well? Yeah, I work with people and investors. So probably about 40% of my business is with investors. Um, I have uh, events for investors all the time and try to connect people. But yeah, we definitely do investment properties. You can, um, you know, I think I even made a podcast about this. You can build out, um, you know, up to 40 units using conventional lending. Um, you could do four units. Um you know, conventional financing, 20, 25% down, depending on what your credit is. And then, um, you know, kind of start building out from there. And honestly, you can utilize the cash flow and stuff like that um, for the subject property. So you can use 75% of the, the monthly cash flow to to get qualified and stuff. So, yeah, we definitely work with investors all the time. K1s, trusts, all that. So, yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And if uh, they... Uh, if people wanted to get uh, in touch with you uh, to work with you to get a mortgage, uh, what's a good way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, it's uh, C Sanders at goldstarfinancial.com. C Sanders at, say it again? Goldstarfinancial.com. Financial.com. All right, so C Sanders at goldstarfinancial, financial or financials? Financial. Okay, So uh, what I'll do is I'll make sure that I put that on the screen as well so that people can have that email uh, to go to. Uh, and from there, um, so do you want them to go to the website as well or just send you an email uh, just inquiring about that? Yeah, send me, yeah, you can send me an email. Gotcha. Okay, I'm cool. Gotcha. Yeah, so definitely uh, make sure if you guys are looking to get an investment property or uh, a property that you're looking to uh, move into, um, be sure to uh, email uh, Chrissy here. Now, are there particular states that you're licensed in um, at the moment? I know by the time you know this goes on at, at some point, you may be licensed in more states or whatever, but uh, is there a, a list that you have um, that, that you want to kind of run off? Yeah, yeah. So California, Indiana, Florida, Oregon, Ohio. Um, yeah. And I, and I answer the phone 24-7, so... Gotcha, gotcha. All right, I'm always, cool. I'm always ready to go. All right, what's a good number that they they can reach? Mm. Or if you have like office number or something like that. I don't have an office number, but I don't mind giving out my cell phone number. I'll just block your number. Six one four five one two seven five four five. So six one four five one two seven five four five. Gotcha. Don't get crazy or you're getting blocked. There you go. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah, for business inquiries only. Uh, for that. <laughs> So yeah, so awesome. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. And, and I, I want to make sure that people understand um, if you guys are you know, serious about getting a mortgage, whether it comes, uh, uh, whether it's you getting something that you're going to move into or investment property, she'll definitely be able to help you out, answer the questions that you guys uh, would have and get you guys rolling. So I uh, definitely appreciate you uh, doing that. Now, um, on this segment of the podcast, uh, it's what's called the lightning round. All right. Okay. So we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to ask you three random questions uh, and answer them to the best of your ability. All right. I'm ready. I'm right. ready. Here we go. Now, number one. All right. If you had to change your name to anything else besides Chrissy Sanders, what would it be and why? 
It'd be Taylor. Taylor. Okay. You said that very fast. Okay. Yeah. Why Taylor? I don't know. I just think Taylor is like a badass name. Uh, okay. <laughs> but gotcha. I'll be honest. <laughs> you you look more like a Taylor than Chrissy. You give me more Taylor vibes. So I I agree. Taylor would fit you a lot better. All right. So number two, uh, if you had to eat one meal for one year, and you can only eat this meal, what would it be? Mm -hmm. No weight gain. No, just whatever it's got to be weight gain. I mean, if it's if you're eating like butter soup, then yes, it's going to be that. But one meal for one year, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or you can skip breakfast, whatever it is. But as far as you consuming food, it has to be this thing. It would be chicken tenders and grits. Interesting. <laughs> okay, why? <laughs> love grits and I love chicken tenders. Like, I love bits. Uh, and that, okay. yeah. Yeah. Ch chicken tenders <laughs> and grits. To yes. me, the, I've never seen these two together. But Go to just, Atlanta. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Chicken tenders and grits. All right. Cool. And lastly, all right, if you had to combine two animals, all right, what two animals would it be and what features would you take from each one? Um, honestly, that's so funny that you say that. Like, um, I always like I, 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 my spirit animal that I resonate with is like a wolf, and I probably say a wolf and a lioness. Um, and and the features are are I mean, like to be a great provider, you got to be a wolf. Period. Like, you got to be able to hunt, stand stand up for your pack, and go it alone. Um, and then you know, a lioness, you know, pr protects protects the household and, and hunts. So, um, I've always been a hunter. So, gotcha. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Good deal. And I'm allergic to cats. So. Yeah. So you would be super allergic uh, to, to that. So, okay. Any physical features that you would want to morph into this, this animal? I don't know. I probably, I don't know. I'd probably like be a, be a like gray wolf. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go with that. All right. So, uh, now, on this segment, we talk about three books that you would recommend uh, for people to read. So this this could be just about entrepreneurship, uh, mortgage, uh, being a mortgage broker, or just, you know, uh, personal development. Uh, what three books would you recommend to people? Um, so, like, the first, the first book is um, Letting Go, um, The Power of Letting Go. Um, and that book is basically is what it sounds like. It's basically about letting go. Um, the other would probably be the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Um, and the subtle art of not giving a fuck is really about um, what we talked about with the IMG thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's really learning to get out of your own head so that you can actually succeed in life. Um, because like too often you think about what people think about you, what you think about you, all this shit. And it's like, you got to like drop that bullshit in order to like go. Letting go is really about just learning to let flow. And, um, and then what else am I reading right now? Um, I've been reading a lot of like lately. So I guess all of my books are like, and, um, I'm super into like, Taoism and 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 stoic uh, stoicism. So, um, it would probably be like the the Tao Te Ching. So, um, and and which is like by Lao Tzu or something. So, um, and that's just really about um, basically letting letting life 
let it flow. Then David Meltzer connected to goodness, um, stuff like that. So uh, right now, because of like I told you the things that are going on in my life, um, I am focusing on how can I let go? Mm -hmm. Um, How can I let go? Um, And how can I let things flow? Um, And just be okay with losing things in order to make space for better. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. All right. And so those are the three books. So what uh, would be the first step that you would recommend someone uh, to either become a mortgage broker or to be successful in entrepreneurship? What, what's the first step you would, you would say for that person? Um, The first step for being successful as an entrepreneur, um, I would say you, you would have to, you got to like totally trust yourself. Like, just trust yourself. Like, even, like, you got to just say, hey, you know, it doesn't matter if nobody gets it, I get it, and then you got to kind of start taking action from there. Um, then, as far as a mortgage broker is concerned, it's a pretty straightforward process. Um, you study, um, you you study, and then you take a test. Um, I don't know how much the test is anymore because it's been a while, but um, at the time, I think it was 110 bucks. Um, so, like, <laughs> it was... Um, and then um, you get with a brokerage and, you know, you, you kind of get out there and start start swinging um, and you don't overthink the process. So it's like, you know, sales and mortgages is, is listening. Right. So like what what are the people trying to do? Like stop, um, you know, stop trying to get all the jargon, because I think that's what people do. They overthink analysis by paralysis. They're yeah. like, shit, let me figure. like and it doesn't it doesn't matter. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Cool. And lastly, words of wisdom. Uh, Words of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Mm, I would probably say um, let go to let in. Let go to let. I like that. Nice and simple. Let go (laughs) to let in. All right. Awesome. Chrissy, thank you so much for doing uh, this podcast. Uh, Definitely learned uh, a lot. Uh, and I know uh, this has provided a lot of value, not only to me, but everyone that's going to be listening to this episode. So thank you so much. And um, I, I look forward to maybe doing another one of these episodes. Uh, so thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thank All you right. for having me. Thank you for listening to the Your First Steps podcast. Let us know what you thought about this episode by leaving a review. And don't forget to subscribe.